It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Today's date is February 12th, episode 28. And this podcast, we get to, let's call it four topics. Topic number one, we look at the trade uh, recap at the deadline, and we look at some of the bigger moves that took place, particularly uh, the trade uh, between Detroit and the Knicks, and then we look at the trades that the Dallas Mavericks made. Secondly, we go to a lesser trades, I guess I would say, and look at some other moors and shakers, Gordon Hayward to Oklahoma City, the trade between Toronto and Brooklyn, obviously the trade also between Toronto and Cleveland, along with Buddy Heald going to the Sixers. Third, I'm going to look at three teams I think that were losers at the deadline, and Chicago, the Wizards, and the Lakers for what they did not do. And lastly, we're going to go to the Dirty Dirty, to the Dirty South, and I give you my bench and starting lineup for the Atlanta Hawks. Let's get started with today's podcast with the trade deadline and some of the bigger moves that took place last week. And no team, folks, I thought, did a better job at the trade deadline than my New York Knicks. And you can sit there and call it about Knicks bias, so on and so forth. So let's bring in a trade that took place last week that was broke first by Woj. Uh, the Knicks received Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from Detroit in exchange for Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archidacato, and two second-round picks. And when you think about this trade, folks, from a, from a Knicks perspective, it's very simple. Number one, the Knicks had the least points per game on their bench this year. Number two, look at the injuries that they have so far. Mitchell Robinson's out. Julius Randle's out. They announced right after uh, the deadline that OG is going to be out. Uh, Jericho Sins has been out the last couple of games. Hartenstein's been out the last couple of games. So the Knicks were battling injuries, and it was hurting their depth. And number three, Tom Thibodeau is known to push his starters too many minutes. So what did they do? They went and they addressed the bench. And I think they addressed the bench in a fantastic way, bringing in two pieces that I think really make sense. First off, they bring Alec Burks back. Alec Burks who played two years for the Knicks, right, including leaving after the 2021 20, season. A favorite of Tom Thibodeau, a guy that is a 40% shooter from three, can create off the bounce, and he's someone that could play both the one and two guard spot. Next up, they brought in Boyan Bogdanovich. 
Bogdanovich, who has experience playing in New York. Remember, folks, he once played for the Brooklyn Nets. And Boyan is a fantastic shooter that can space the floor and is a tough, hard-nosed player that fits the, the grit and the glue and the culture that Tibbs has wanted to instill. But if you think about this, folks, this goes deeper, right? If you look at getting OG Ananobi, if you look at getting a precious Achua, if you look at the, the guard play, particularly of DiVincenzo as of late, the Knicks changed their style, folks. And I've talked about this. I want to explain it to you as a coach. The Knicks went quickly and Barrett were ISO guys, meaning they didn't, you didn't have to run sets to get them the ball, right? You had to give them the ball, give them space, let them create. Quickly was really, really shifty and shaky with his handle. RJ was really good at knifing to the basket. Eurostep liked to get to that right shoulder and get to that left hand finishing at the, uh, at the rim. But he wasn't a, a super efficient three-point shooter, particularly from the corner, right? So you go get OJ Nobi first, who is one of the best 3D guys in the NBA, and someone who could space the floor in the corners, the corner three-point shooter. I think he's shooting about 42 43%, right? You go get Preston Chewing, which helps the bench, which now obviously does not have Mitchell Robson, but all there's talk about Mitchell Robson not missing the year and coming back in a couple of weeks, right? But then you go and you get Burks and Bogdanovich. So now you think about this. The, the Knicks are different because now you have driving lanes for a Jalen Brunson. You have driving lanes for a Julius Randle. And then you can put people like Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Dante DiVincenzo those are guys, along with Josh Hart, that all four of them shoot the ball about 38% from three or better. This makes Jalen Brunson harder to guard. It makes Julius Randle, when his decision-making is downhill, harder to guard. And they're tough-nosed veteran guys for a New York Knicks team, folks. And I will say, I think is the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. And I think because of the inexperience of Joe Mazzulla, the fact that you have Jalen Brown in the playoffs all of a sudden can't go left and he gets exposed. Porzingis is injury prone. Father Tucker catch up with Al Horford. And you can get a clunker out of Jason Tatum at any point. The New York Knicks have a puncher's chance to go to the NBA Finals. We'll see how the Eastern Conference shakes up. When you look at the other trade that, that was pretty interesting, it was a trade between Dallas uh, and Charlotte that said P.J. Washington from Charlotte to Dallas for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a lightly protected 2027 first-round pick. Now, when you look at this trade, folks, right, and getting P.J. Washington to Dallas, and here's the trade parameters as Woj brought him up, right, like, like I said, uh, Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a protected first-round pick 2027 went from Dallas to Charlotte in exchange for P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington is, is a is a good 3-and-D defender. Now, he's not on the level of an OG Ananobi, but he is someone that could make the team better. Along with Daniel Gafford, who they got from Washington, who was a big a rim protector and a good rebounder. The problem with you have there, folks, initially, is twofold with Dallas, okay? 
Number one, Grant Williams was not working out. It, it just wasn't working out. He was rubbing people the wrong way. There's a whole talk about switching his shoe from the Lucas shoe to the Tatum shoe. I, I, don't, I don't believe any of that junk. But I will say that some of the stuff Grant Williams did pissed people off. He wanted the money. He wanted the playing time. And he wanted the ability to showcase his skills. And he did not do that in Dallas. So Dallas got out of that contract. And he goes to a place where Charlotte where he could thrive and shine. Maybe that front court with him. And, and Brandon Miller could be a young backcourt, I'm sorry, a young frontcourt, I should say, along with Mark Williams that could start to get better for a Charlotte team as one of the best teams in the NBA. But when you look at the flips, like I said, P.J. Washington is, is an upgrade over Grant Williams, but he's not a, a mover and a shaker because he's not a guy that can go create his own shot. There's still too much pressure on Luka and on Kyrie and on Tim Hardaway, who is very hot and cold at times, for them to carry all of the offensive load. Now, when you go get a guy like Daniel Gafford from Washington, Daniel Gafford is someone that was rumored to be moved, obviously by Washington. We'll get into him a little bit why I thought they were losers at the deadline. But what he provides is rim protection, shot blocking, and rebounding behind Lively, right? Lively, the rookie out of Duke, has had himself a really good rookie year, uh, shoots the ball at a really high clip, but we know he's really like a, a, a dunker, a finisher at the rim. So they did get better defensively. Now, if you think about it, are, are they better after the deadline than the Timberwolves? No. Are they better than the Clippers? No. Are they better than the Nuggets? No. Are they better than the Suns? No. Are they better than Oklahoma City? We'll talk about that. That's debatable. Are they better than the Kings? I don't think so. Are they better than the Lakers? If the Lakers are healthy, maybe not. So for all of that, I don't know how much Dallas got better because they had limited capital to trade. And I'm going to say this, folks. You keep talking to all these superstars around the NBA, right, who are unhappy, who have been rumored to be moved. I'm going to say this right now. If it does not go well in Dallas, especially with Kyrie resigned long-term, does Luca ask out of Dallas? And you got teams, particularly Oklahoma City, probably won't fit. But a team like New York, another reason why they wanted the deadline is the number is seven. Those are the tradable first round picks the New York Knicks have. And that could be something to look out for in the future. Does New York back it up and throw a ton of picks? to a team like Dallas, maybe in the future, to get Luka Doncic. Remember, folks, do you know who's from the Dallas area? That'd be Julius Randle. Something to keep an eye out for in the future. Let's go on to some lesser-known trades that still can move the needle a little bit. One trade that took place was between the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets, as you know, Woj was first to report that Dennis Schroeder was getting traded along with Thaddeus Young from the Raptors to the Nets in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie. So, so let's, let's look at it from a Nets perspective first. Dennis Schroeder was very upset with the fact that he did not want to be a backup for a rebuilding team in Toronto who gave the keys to the car to Emmanuel quickly. 
That did not make Dennis Schroeder happy. A Dennis Schroeder, folks, who in the FIBA World Cup led Germany to the title and was absolutely fantastic. And Dennis Schroeder, who has bounced around the league, has had a good career. Now, you could talk about that four for 84 he turned down for the Lakers a couple of years ago. I think it's one of the dumbest moves of all time. I do agree with that. But let's put let's just put that aside. Dennis Schroeder can play. And Dennis Schroeder is an upgrade to Spencer Dimwitty. So now you have a guy like Schroeder who goes to the Nets where he could start and get the playing time he feels he deserves. Thaddeus Young also helps to a lesser extent as a 3 and D guy. Remember that the Nets did move Royce O'Neal at the deadline. He ended up going uh, to Phoenix and part of that three-team trade that we're not going to talk about today. So now when you look at it from this perspective of the Raptors, they get Dimwitty and then they release him. They buy him out. So who comes and swoops him up? That would be the Los Angeles Lakers. They assigned him to the mid-level extension for the rest of the year. Shams was first to report it. And Spencer Dimwitty is a guy that is a serviceable player that at times has shown himself to be a backup that can be really valuable. Look at the Dallas Mavericks run a couple of years ago to the Western Conference Finals. It was the play of Spencer Dimwitty along with a Jalen Brunson that really spearheaded this team uh, and, and made a run. And Spencer Dimwitty's had himself a good career. Now, I... I want, to, I want to kind of caution people with this. I will get back to them in a minute. If you think that Dennis Schroeder going to the Lakers makes them a contender, you got to have your head checked. And I'll get back to the Lakers in a little bit on why they were losers at the deadline. Other moves that took place that were underrated under the radar was an interesting trade between Utah and Toronto, Toronto obviously being very active in the trade market, and Kelly Olenek and OG Abaji get traded from Utah to Toronto for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. For the case of a team like Utah, Danny Ainge continues to do what he does, which is stack draft picks. He's starting out, he's continuing that rebuilding process. A little odd that uh, a, a guy like a Jordan Clarkson wasn't moved. But the interesting thing is, let's look at it from a Toronto perspective. Kelly Olynyk, guys, is on an expiring contract. I truly believe that Kelly Olynyk was traded to turn around and get flipped. And he didn't. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Olynyk this summer. Maybe there's a player option that I'm forgetting about that can be used in a trade chip or a signing trade in the offseason. Kelly Olenek season pro could have helped a ton of teams, a ton of teams looking for a backup big, uh, a, a, a four slash undersized five that could stretch the floor, shoot the three, very underrated passer. Abaji's interesting, folks, for Toronto because Abaji now with Barrett and quickly kind of becomes some of that new, younger backcourt and Toronto he wasn't really going to get the time, especially with the fact that they did not move Clarkson and the elevated play of a Keontae George. That made Abaji 
expendable. So that was kind of interesting to see what took place there. Another move that I thought was really underrated, that I think was a fantastic move, is Gordon Hayward getting traded from Charlotte to Oklahoma City. And I think this trade was a fabulous trade for OKC because, folks, they got an adult in the room. And Gordon Hayward, folks, I will say this, is one of the more underrated players of the last 10 or so years in the NBA. When Gordon Hayward is healthy in his career, Gordon Hayward puts up stats. There is no way around it. And for a team like Oklahoma City to go get a Gordon Hayward that allows their bench to be better, I thought this was a fantastic trade by Sam Presti, and he's still got more draft capital to move than anybody in the league. I think 37 or 38 first and second round draft picks he has at his disposal to move. And I think the OKC Thunder made a really, really smart move. Last move I want to talk about really quick is Bad Buddy. Buddy Heel getting traded from Indiana to Philadelphia. For Marcus Morris, Fulcon, Fort Corkmox, I never say his first name right, I'm sorry, and three second-round picks. And this was a trade about getting Buddy Heald to a spot where he could excel off the bench and stretch the floor for Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is in an interesting situation, folks, because we don't know when Joel Embiid's going to come back, right? So I think Philadelphia played it safe by getting Buddy Heald to a lesser expect extent, underrated signing and getting Kyle Lowry as a buyout after uh, he was bought out by Charlotte. And you have a situation where they didn't go all in because they don't know when Embiid's going to come back. And that sounded something up pretty interesting with Tobias Harris who's on an expiring contract. Philadelphia's got to kind of split it between playing the short game by getting guys that can help by not sacrificing everything for playing the long game because they don't know how long Embiid's going to be out for. Very interesting to watch what happens the rest of the way with Tobias Harris after this season. Does he get moved? Does he resign? Is it a, uh, a sign and trade for a guy like Tobias Harris who's in his walk year? Three teams I thought really missed the mark, folks, at the deadline are Chicago, Washington, and the Lakers. And let's start with the Bulls because they got the bad news of Zach Levine being out for four to six months. He was obviously going to be moved, but it sets up a pretty interesting scenario for a Chicago Bulls team, folks, that I really think is going nowhere, right? Nowhere at all. If you think about it, although Kobe White has had a really breakout season, uh, the guard out of North Carolina has been really, really good this year. But it's because of things like this. It's because Lonzo Ball. We don't know when Lonzo's going to come back. And, and let's be honest, folks, this team in Chicago has not been the same since Lonzo been out. Chicago right now in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. But they could have traded a Vucevic, a guy that's a double-double machine that could help some teams down the stretch of the playoffs. They could have traded a 20-point-per-game pure score and a DeMar DeRozan. It could have helped a number of teams, most notably the Lakers. I mean, Lakers were probably tied to everybody 
I don't know who they were going to trade. Or this guy, who I thought would, could have been one of the most valuable players, is Alex Caruso. And remember, I talked about this last week, how Alex Caruso, they thought they were going to get an OG and a Nobi package for Caruso, which was two rotational pieces and a first-round pick, which I thought was one of the craziest things I heard. But Caruso could have netted you a first-round pick or a young asset. So I found it interesting that they're going to run it back with this team along with a guy like Patrick Williams and obviously Billy Donovan as a head coach. Something tells me, folks, Billy Donovan could be out of a job this year if they don't make the playoffs. Moving on to Washington, I mean, I don't, I, I just, I just don't know what this team, right? They bring in Jordan Poole to be the guy, and he is everything but the guy uh, with his play this year, which has been god awful. But the reason why I was curious about this is because you move Daniel Gafford, but you keep Tyus Jones. A Tyus Jones, who I think is the was when he was with Memphis, the best backup guard in the league, a guy that could have helped a lot of teams at the deadline, who could have fetched you assets. That's in a contract year. So if you don't bring back Tyus Jones next year, you basically wasted his services by not moving him. And then there's a player, Kyle Kuzma, who was rumored to be on the block. So now you're keeping Kyle Kuzma and you're keeping Jordan Poole, a dynamic dud, I mean, we call him a duo, that is not going to work. And you got Tyus Jones, who is can leave at the end of the year. You have fired your coach. You have started over. So you're telling me that the big three is going to be Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma. A lot of changes need to be happening in Washington in the offseason. We'll see what happens. Lastly, got to go to LeBron. LeBron, whose talents continue to be wasted. For a Lakers team that's in ninth place in the Western Conference, only one game ahead of the loss column from Utah and three ahead of the loss column for the Houston Rockets team that's kind of went downhill the last couple of weeks or month. But LeBron and Anthony Davis have been absolutely fantastic. Folks, where is the help, Rob Palenka? Where is the shooting, Rob Palenka? Where is the scoring to take some of the load off a 39-year-old LeBron James and an Anthony Davis who doesn't give it to you every night, Rob Palenka? Where is it? You kept D'Angelo Russell? You know why, folks? He had no trade value. Nobody wanted that contract. Torian Prince got off to a good start. Fumbled down the stretch. You got this guy, Austin Reeves. Well, if you had to trade d you had to trade Reeves because you had no other tradable assets. Lakers can't do that. They're banking on Cam Reddish to be the guy. The Cam Reddish that couldn't get it done in, in Atlanta, who couldn't get on the floor with the Knicks, is now going to – and then went to Portland, one of the worst teams in the league, and couldn't cut it there. Now he's going to go to the Lakers and he's going to save them? How about this guy? 
You want to talk about Anthony Davis being an enigma? How about Rui Hachimura? I, I thought when Rui Hachimura went to the Lakers that this was this was like the spot for Rui. Stretch four, athletic as you know what, can shoot that pill, can secretly good defender, shot blocker. It just has not panned out for the Lakers. They don't have perimeter shooting. And here's the thing, folks. The Miami Heat are like the New England Patriots in the heyday of Bill Belichick. If they let a guy go, do not go run and sign him. Because they went and signed Vincent. I don't care if he's hurt. He's been a complete dud. And the Lakers were trying to move him. And could have moved, if they could have moved him at the deadline, they would have done it from the jump. The Lakers are a hot mess. And you're going to look at a LeBron James. And I know people say, oh, well, you know, that whole thing with the towel in New York. And he was joking around. And they put pressure on the Lakers. All right, folks, the Lakers, the pressure you put on the Lakers got you Spencer Dinwiddie. You tell me if LeBron's happy right now. You tell me if the Lakers miss the playoffs and LeBron James is going to be happy and he's going to sign that extension. When he knows that if Bronny goes to the league, he's going to probably try and go where he goes. So I'm going to tell you this right now, Lakers, Laker fans, I think you have plenty of reason to be absolutely paranoid for the future of your franchise. And the person that you have to blame is Rob Palenka. Let's end today's podcast by talking about what my favorite topic, all-time lineups. So let's go to the dirty, dirty to Atlanta. And first, let me give you my bench. Joe Johnson, a.k.a. ISO Joe. Lenny Wilkins, yeah, hell of a coach. Hell of a basketball player, too. Pistol Pete Maravich. Al Horford, and Cliff Hagen. And if you think about Joe Johnson, a.k.a. ISO Joe, 20.9 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 5.2 is a six-time All-Star. Joe Johnson, one of the best one-on-one players I've seen in a long time. He was smooth. He had the J, not crazy athletic, strong like a bull. What a player. Joe Johnson was. I think he still plays in the big three, if I'm not mistaken. And he can still go to the NBA and get you 15 a night if a team called on him. How about Lenny Wilkins? One time, the all-time leader in wins in the NBA. Well, Lenny Wilkins was a hell of a pro. Uh, 15.5 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists, five-time All-Star for the Atlanta Hawks. And a fantastic, great of a coach and player Lenny Wilkins was, he was an even better person. Lenny Wilkins, one of the all-time great people in the NBA, former coach of my hometown, New York Knicks. How about Pistol Pete? I mean, when you think about, like, for you young guy, for you young kids, you keep seeing videos about, like, you guys talk about white chocolate, right? Jason Williams. That was white chocolate before white chocolate. Way before white chocolate. Fancy, the passing, the floppy socks, the low Chuck Taylors, play the LSU, drop 44 a game for his career. Two-time All-Star in the five years he was with Atlanta. Pistol Pete Maritz, folks, died way too soon. One of the greatest 
performers and showmen in the history of the NBA. How about Al Horford? Currently with the Boston Celtics. But Al Horford was a model of consistency of some of those Hawk teams back in the day with Joe Johnson, with Josh Smith, if I'm not mistaken. 14.3 points per game, eight rebounds, three assists, four-time All-Star. Still doing a lot of great things for the Boston Celtics, but made his bones and made his mark as a player with the Atlanta Hawks after leaving the University of Florida after winning back-to-back national championships. And the one guy you guys never may have heard of, a great player in the 50s and 60s, was the champion of the one-time team, the championship that the Hawks won. Folks, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they were the St. Louis Hawks back in the day. They weren't even Atlanta Hawks. That's Cliff Hagen, 18 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 3 assists, 5-time All-Star NBA champion, Hall of Famer Cliff Hagen. That's my bench. Let's go to the starting lineup. Ice Trey, Lou Hudson, Dominique Wilkins, a.k.a. the human highlight film, Bob Pettit. One of the great all-time players that you never heard of. One of the great power forwards in the history of the NBA. And lastly, you know, Mr. And now it'd be Dikembe Mutombo. So let's start with Ice Trey. Rumored to be moved sometimes with Atlanta. But you can't, you got to talk about how great Trey Young is. Coming out of Oklahoma, scoring at almost 26 points per game for his career. At almost 9.5 cents, a walking double-double, three-time All-Star. And I will say this, folks, about Trey Young. If Trey Young did not get hurt, they were going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks and get to the NBA Finals, and Milwaukee and Giannis would not have a ring. Trey's performance in the 2021 playoffs, knocking out the Knicks, winning Game 7 at Philadelphia, They were the better team until he rolled his ankle, I do believe, in Game 3 against Milwaukee. If he does not get hurt, you will be speaking better about Trey Young, one of the most fantastic basketball players and a top 20 player in the NBA right now. Yeah, I said it. I believe in Ice Trey. How about Lou Hudson? You don't know about Lou Hudson? 22 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, 1.7 assists, one of the best two-way players. In his time, lockdown defender, six-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, Lou Hudson. But how about this man here? Dominique Wilkins, a.k.a. the human highlight film out of the University of Georgia, folks. Dominique Wilkins scored 26.4 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, nine-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, folks. When you start talking about the 80s, okay, and you start talking about Jordan, Magic, Bird, Dr. J towards the end of his career, Moses Malone, Kareem at the end of his career, the ascension of Isaiah Thomas, right? No one seems to talk about the greatness of Dominique Wilkins, folks. There was a series, I want to say it was 87 or 85, I'm not sure. Him and Dominic and Larry Bird put on a performance for the ages. 
Dominic Wilkins was one of the most fantastic high-flying players in the history of this game that nobody talks about. Dominic Wilkins was fantastic. And arguably the greatest slam dunk. I know people want to talk about Jason Richardson versus Aaron Gordon in all the 50s. Let me tell you all something. 1988, Chicago Stadium was the best combination of three-point shootout and all-star game in the history of the NBA. Larry Bird wins it, shooting, folks, in his warm-up jacket, his warm-ups, and hits a three and puts the number one finger up before the ball hits the rim. And then the nightcap, Jordan, Dominique, slam dunk championship, where the best players in the NBA went to the slam dunk contest. Remember, Dominique got him in Indiana, I do believe in 85, but Jordan got him back in 88, some would argue, if it wasn't in Chicago where Jordan had beat Dominique. A debate for a long, long time. How about at the four? Bob Pettit. Y'all don't know about Bob Pettit. Y'all too young. Y'all too, y'all too, y'all too, y'all too young about Bob, know about Bob Pettit. Bro, 26.4 points per game, 16.2 rebounds, 11-time All-Star, two-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, NBA Champion, Hall of Famer, J.J. Redick. I don't care if you play with plumbers, electricians, and firefighters. You get 16.2 rebounds per game, you're doing something right. Bob Pettit, one of the all-time great players of the NBA, one of the 75 greatest players of all time. And lastly, the man in the middle. Now, this was interesting, folks, because you could go a, a, a lot of different ways Right with this, right? Could you could you go with Mutombo? Can you go with Dwight Howard? You can go with many different players. I went with Dikembe Mutombo. Yes, the the points per game Dikembe was never a score. He was kind of sloppy with it in the post. He had them big sharp elbows, but what Dikembe could do, he could rebound, he could block shots. Four time All Star, two time Defensive Player of the Year. He made. Blocking shots and rebounding, cool without having to score. Kind of in age of when he did it with a guy like Ben Wallace, uh, which I found that to be interesting. Once again, my backups, Iso Joe, Joe Johnson, Lenny Wilkins, Pistol Pete Maravich, Al Horford, Cliff Hagan. But in my starting lineup of Trey Young, Lou Hudson, the human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit, and Dikembe Mutombo. This has been episode 28 of the Betting Above the Rim podcast. For all of your information for sports gambling, yeah, I know the Super Bowl is over, but it's basketball season. It's college basketball season. Where can you get all your information, folks? Go download that Sports Grid app. Available on Apple Store and Google Play. It's your one stop shop for all things sports gambling and the home of coach young's college basketball scouting reports to release every night next podcast valentine's day edition so where am i gonna go maybe i'll talk about players that broke my heart because i got a couple reggie miller i'm coming for you still broke my heart jordan i'm coming for you too but also how about we'll go to the Western Conference? They're the top team right now in the West. 
my all-time lineup for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got some great players. Starberry, Kevin Garnett, and Edwards. Does Rudy get there only being in two years? Carl Anthony Towns. Do I take Garnett and Towns? Do I take one or the other? And what do you do about a guy that's underrated, my good friend, Randy Foy? This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast. I'll be back on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. Remember, folks, it's always smarter to be on Sports Group. Good night. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business.